Amen. Have a seat. Good morning. I hope y'all slept good last night. I slept like a baby. Uh, I talked to Christy this morning. She woke up at three. She was thankful for that. Um, <laughs> anyway, I hope you slept well, and I'm grateful that you're back this morning. Uh, what Lauren was referring to when she was talking about that song is I woke up and was praying for you and praying for our time this morning. And, and as I was praying, that song, Spirit of the Living God, kept coming to my mind and I kept thinking of it. And I searched the lyrics and I was reading over the lyrics and I thought, Lord, that's what we're asking for. We're asking for your spirit to come into the room because when you come into the room, it changes what we see and it changes what we seek. It changes what we seek after. And so as I was thinking that this morning and Praying over that, I thought, oh man, I wish we could do that song. And I thought, well, I don't even know Lauren's last name, much less her phone number. And I'm not going to call her at, at seven in the morning and say, hey, can you learn a quick song? And so I walked in this morning at nine to get mic'd up and everything, and they're rehearsing that song. And I said, Lauren, you know that song? And I shared that. And she said, that's the last song that we're doing before, the, before you come up this morning. So I just love the way the Lord works. He's just sweet like that, just gracious and kind. And uh, so this morning, as we jump into God's Word, I just want to ask you a quick question before we do. When is the last time you experienced God move in your life? When is the last time you encountered Him? And you sense God's presence is among me. It's among us. When is the last time that experience was real and tangible and palpable for you in your life? I want you to think about that for just a minute. Because here's the truth. The thing that I love about the Lord is that his word is alive and it's active. Sharper than any two-edged sword. It's alive and it's active. And his spirit is on the move. And he doesn't just want you to understand him intellectually. He doesn't want you to just read his word like you would read a philosophy manual. He wants you to encounter him every time you encounter his word, every time you come together in his presence among his people. He wants you to encounter him and have a real living, live relationship with him. Because otherwise, we just walk around parched, dry, weary like a sack of bones. And today, I just believe the Lord wants to breathe new life into each of us. He wants to breathe life into us, and he wants us to each experience what it's like to just... Take a deep breath again and remember what is already true is that he sees me, he loves me, he sees you, he loves you. He's not disappointed in you. He's not upset with you. Scripture says not let, don't let your heart condemn you. He just loves you and he wants to encourage you today and that's what I'm trusting that he's going to do Last night we talked about simple courage and what it looked like and we were in second Chronic, excuse me second chronicles chapter 20 and we were looking at Jehoshaphat 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 Jehos I don't know how you say it really well and I thought I thought about Jehoshaphat and I thought his sweet mom um, I wonder where she got that name <laughs> and I thought I wonder if she ever shortened that name and what would you shorten it would it just be Jeho would it be Shah would it be fat just hey fatty Come here, fatty. I don't know. But Jehoshaphat, uh, we looked at, he, Jehoshaphat had just turned and 
repented in his own life and in his leadership as king. He had just come back to the Lord. He had just removed idols from his people and said, we're going to follow the one true God and follow that God only. And right after that um, experience in his own life, everything just got a little bit hotter. And he learned that three armies were invading and they were on their way to take him out. And crisis had hit. And he needed courage. And what did courage, simple courage, look like for Jehoshaphat last night? It looked like him experiencing his fear, but a resolve to seek the Lord. You know, I was thinking about that. And oftentimes when crisis hits, I might get paralyzed with fear initially. But my next reaction is to grab the reins and go, okay, what do I do? My next reaction is to charge forward and start to to fix it as best I know how whatever that might look like, by calling the experts, by just doing it on my own, whatever it looks like, I typically charge forward and start to try and fix whatever it is that's not right in my life. And Jehoshaphat didn't do that. What was courageous for Jehoshaphat is his resolve to seek the Lord. And so instead of charging forward in his own strength, he stood still and he said, hold up, (laughs) hold up. Let's fast. Let's pray. We need God. And the last verse we read last night was Jehoshaphat saying, we do not know what to do. Verse 12. We don't know what to do. This vast army is coming toward us. We don't know what to do. When's the last time you said to yourself or someone else, I don't know what to do. I don't know how I'm going to fix this. I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know what's next. I don't know what the answer is. Jehoshaphat said, I, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Our eyes are on you. And courage for Jehoshaphat meant looking up and going, wait a second. Instead of looking at everything around me and the chaos that surrounds me, I'm looking at one thing, and that's Jesus. I'm looking at God. And he reminded himself of the God that he follows. Who is this God? Oh, this is the God that is full of immense power. This is the creator of heaven and earth. This is the God that sacrificed his own son for me. This is the God that created me. This is the God that has ordained every step in my life. This is the God that knit me together. This is the God that could take anything out like that. This is the God that calmed the wind and the, and the waves. Oh, that's the God that I'm looking at. Okay, now I can take a, a deep breath. And so courage meant to stand still and look in the face of the God that he follows and say, I don't know what to do. That's okay. God's not expecting you to have it together. God's not expecting you to have all this immense strength on your own. If so, you wouldn't need him. You wouldn't need a savior. Something I've always said for years is, you know what? We're all a mess. So stop pretending like you're not. And instead of giving energy to that, give energy to what will actually help. Give energy to to resolving, to seeking the Lord. And that's what he did. He said, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. My eyes are on you. And that's what courage looks like. My eyes are on you. And so today we're going to look at simple clarity. Clarity, because if you're like me and a crisis hits, I want answers. God, why? God, how? God, what's next? God, what do I do now? Spell it out for me, Lord. Give me the plan. I want a bullet point plan. Give me the formula. Give me three steps. Lord, I beg for three steps. 
give me three steps. If it needs to be five, that's fine too. Just give me the plan so that I can feel a little bit better. Somehow we believe information is power and we believe it gets us in control, a feeling of control. Information is great. It's not wrong. It's just if I'm seeking the answers instead of seeking God, I'm going to be frustrated. I'm going to be frustrated because I'm coming to him and I'm saying, answer this. Lord, this is what I need. I need you to speak to me about this now. And so instead of really looking at him, I'm looking behind or over or around him going, yeah, I know that you're there and I know you need me to help. I need you to help me. But what I really need is for you to answer this question. And so my prayer life is not listening. My prayer life is just me going, help, help, answer, 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 answer. And I don't know that that's really a prayer life. It's more like a hamster wheel, and it's exhausting. It's exhausting. And so oftentimes I mistake clarity to mean answers, a lot of answers. And what we'll see today is clarity is the presence of God. Clarity is the presence of God. When you come into the room, it changes what I see, and it changes what I seek. When you come into the room, meaning when your presence is experienced by me, it changes everything. It changes everything. And then all of a sudden, what what needs to happen next, I'll either know or it just unfolds before me. I have a precious, precious friend. She's like a little sister to me. She's 31 years old. She has three kids under the age of seven, and she's struggling with ALS right now. I don't know if you, ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. She can no longer walk. She can hardly speak. And we want answers. They've seen every doctor. And I'm telling you, the peace that rests on this girl, I'm in a Bible study with her every Monday. And one of the things she said, she texts us in the room. We're together, and she'll text us her thoughts, what she's sharing. And she said, I have a joy and a peace that fills me because his clarity, his presence gives her the deep breath. She doesn't know what her lifespan is going to be. She doesn't know if she's going to be physically healed on this earth from ALS or if this will be the end of her life and how long that will be. There's a lot of unanswered questions. You have a lot of unanswered questions in your life too, I'm certain. But clarity for Lucia comes through the presence of God. And that clarity is I'm loved, I'm not forsaken, there's a God that's in control, I'm okay. If this takes my physical life, my spirit will be with him, his grace will cover my family. It's not that she wouldn't grieve, we grieve, we pray every day for healing. But we know greater than healing is the presence of God himself. And that's what we see in Jehoshaphat when we uh, continue on with the story. I don't know when you're in crisis how you typically charge ahead and how you seek clarity for yourself. It's different for all of us. But one of the things the Lord says about that in Jeremiah 2, I just want to read this before we jump into the passage that we'll study. He says this, he says, My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and they have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water, that cannot hold water. And he says, you will be disappointed by Egypt as you were by Assyria. 
And what he means by that is his people were making alliances with other nations, thinking that somehow this would be the strength that they needed. If they partnered up with Egypt or Assyria, that would be the strength. That would be the girding that they needed to make sure they were okay. What's the girding that you tend to seek? Is it your bank account? If I've got enough money in the bank, then I feel secure enough. If I've got enough friends around me, then I'm secure. If I've got whatever it is, fill in the blank, then somehow I feel girded up. And God is saying, you can write in whatever that is in the blank, and the answer will be the same. You'll be disappointed. You'll be disappointed. Anything but Jesus will disappoint. Anything. He says in 30, verse 37 of that same passage in Jeremiah, he says, you will also, you're going to leave that place with your hands on your head, for the Lord has rejected those that you trust, and you won't be helped by them. Anything other than God himself will disappoint anything. And Jehoshaphat knew that. Jehoshaphat knew that. And he knew in the midst of his chaos that he was going to be resolved to seek the Lord and that clarity would come from God himself in due time through the presence of God. So in verse 13, we ended in verse 12 last night when Jehoshaphat said, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. We're going to pick up this morning in verse 13. And here's what they did next. It says, All the men of Judah with their wives and their children and their little ones stood before the Lord. You know, one thing that I think is really, really powerful is that we have a daily practice of being intimate one-on-one with the Lord. What that looks like for you and looks like for me can be different. There are times I get up with a journal in my Bible and I spend an hour with the Lord journaling and writing. There are days when I don't have that luxury. I'm out the door and so I find it in my car when no one else is writing in it and I'm just alone and I feel like it's a bit of an incubator and I pray and I fellowship or I worship. But I commune with the Lord one-on-one every single day, every single day. Every single day. And that's so critical that my relationship with the Lord is my own and that it's growing and it's intimate and I recognize that he loves me and I hear his voice speak to me. It's not my parents' faith. It's not the faith I grew up on. It's somewhere along the line. It became my own faith that I've owned and that my relationship with the Lord has taken off and it's sweet and it's personal. And I pray that that's true for all of us in the room. And so one-on-one, you see Jesus modeled that. He would get up in the morning and he would go away and he would experience one-on-one fellowship with the Lord. It's critical. But I'll tell you what, when you and I are in crisis... When there's a vast army coming toward us, that is the time that you've got to lock arms with believers. And you need community more than anything. David said in the Psalms, he said, when I kept quiet about my sins, I wasted away. But repentance is is like refreshment to the bones. In the book of James, it says, confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed Community is critical for us. And when you're in crisis, when you're out of control, when you're spinning, typically what can happen is fear will take over. And what happens when fear takes over is that you jump on the the crazy train of thoughts. And all of a sudden you start thinking things like you're going down this rabbit trail and you're going, this is going to take me under. This is about to take me under. 
and you start going, yeah, this is, this is, this is what's going to happen. Whatever it is, you know, I can get, I mentioned last night that I wake up and I get worried about my kids. And if I stay in that place of fear and go, well, they're just, they're just not going to be able to handle junior high, God forbid. And if I get on that crazy train, all of a sudden I, I just go down this road of like, well, it's just all doomed. It's just all doomed. And it's just crazy. And if I stay isolated in that thought pattern, can you imagine how sick and demented my sweet kids would be? I would parent out of that place of fear and anxiety and worry and control. And it would smother them to death because every decision I made was based in coming out of this place of fear. And that's what happens, whatever the situation is, whatever it is that has you anxious and worried. If you stay isolated in your own head and you don't talk about it, you don't share it. And and y'all, there is this lie that we have bit on to believing that our job as Christians is to, to honor God. And what honoring God looks like is that we present a great front is that we show the world that that God is good all the time. But what we've interpreted that to mean is that that pressure rests on me to pretend like God is good all the time. And so when my sweet friend who's battling ALS, if I fall into that lie of pressure, then she and I and all of her community, we have to pretend like this isn't hard and and that we're not wondering why God and we're not asking God and we're not afraid like Jehoshaphat. But but, but the the tension and the pressure is we've just got to pretend like it's fine. Have you been in church like that? Have you been in women's groups like that where everyone just feels plastic? And they're like, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Really? It's fine because you're bleeding. You're, you're like gush. You're, you're bleeding. You're hemorrhaging. No, it's fine. I'm just going to patch that up. It's fine. Really? Because it's dripping down your leg. Do you see what I mean? God never asks us to pretend. He never asks. He doesn't need me to protect his reputation. He needs my authentic, real, honest faith. And I'm telling you, others need it too. Y'all, this world is dark. And there are, you throw a rock and there are people that are lost all around us. And they are begging for something to hold on to that's real. Far be it for me to pretend and do a disservice to them. So live your faith out loud. I don't mean dump all your dirty laundry everywhere. I'm just saying don't pretend it's not hard when it is hard. You let God show up. You let God go, you know what? I'm the miracle worker. Let me walk into that dark place. And when you confess your sin, when you confess the struggle, when you confess the trial, then you get to see me come through and others do too. And you'll see this in Jehoshaphat's life. And so the Lord is saying, don't try and fill up broken cisterns. Don't try and fix your life by things that aren't going to hold me. This isn't going to work for you. Come to me, the living water. Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I'll give you rest. He doesn't say, oh, good grief. You can come to me, but, don't, but you better pretend like you're not, wet, you're, you're not heavy burdened. He's saying, in this life you will have trouble. Come to me. And so it says, all the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones, they stood there before the Lord. Jehoshaphat didn't carry this burden alone. He said, come. This is one I need people. I need, I need you to come. I need you to come. We got to get together in a group. 
Because if I'm going to fight this on my own, I may go on the crazy train of thoughts. I need perspective. I need God to speak through the body of Christ like he said he would. I need believers to come around. Come, let's all get together. So he rallies the troops. Do you have community in your life? Have you rallied the troops in your life when you're in crisis? you got to. You've got to. You've got to. And so they all stood there before the Lord. And then verse 14, I love this. It says, then, then the spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Beniah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite and descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly. Here's what's important about this verse is don't miss this word then. Verse 13, it says, they all gathered and they stood before the Lord and then... The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And then, Scripture says in Matthew 18, when two or three are gathered in my name, I am among you. I am among you. There's something powerful. Scripture says, don't forsake meeting together. Scripture says, uh, the Spirit of the Lord inhabits the praise of his people. And so there's something very powerful and intentional about locking arms and gathering together and seeking the Lord. And when they did that, the Spirit of the Lord came on them. The Spirit of the Lord came on them. It's a result of coming together and seeking the Lord as a body of believers. You've got to have a body of believers in your life. Doesn't have to be many, two or three. But you've got to have people around you that will come around you in a time of crisis and will pray with you, will lock arms, and will walk with you and seek the Lord with you. And the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel. This is what's interesting, y'all. Who's Jehaziel? Have you ever heard of him before? No. Do we ever see him again? No. Jehaziel, son of Zechariah. What I love about that is that the Spirit of the Lord doesn't play favorites. There's nothing about Jehaziel that says, then the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel because, here's his resume. And so when you're in crisis and when you're seeking prayer, don't be surprised when God speaks to you through the least likely person you could ever imagine. There have been times in my life when I have been in crisis and there are people praying for me and I'll get a phone call or somebody will speak something to me and I know in my spirit, it connects with my spirit and the spirit affirms, this is from God. And I don't even really know your name. God uses a body of believers. Um, For a long time, Jason and I got married when we were a little bit older I was 30 and he was 31 and we thought we would have kids very, very quickly. And so we started down this road of trying to have kids and I thought, well, I'll be married in a month. I mean, I'll be pregnant in a month. And long story short, we were in a five-year infertility struggle and it was a really, really difficult season for us. And I remember there were folks praying for us. And sometimes I'd have people go, well, if you just stop doing that and start doing that, then you'll get pregnant. So you, you run the risk sometimes of getting some crazy advice from people. But the thing that you can always know is when you open yourself up for prayer and people come around you, the spirit of the living God who lives in you, if you're in Christ Jesus, will connect and will affirm when he's speaking to you. And when somebody says something to you, it'll, you'll, you'll, there, there'll be a connect. And it may be unlikely, you may not have thought it would cut, but it happens and the Lord will speak through other believers. 
And I remember struggling and praying, and one day I get this phone call from this woman in our church, and I I'd maybe had two conversations with her. We were on staff at the church at this time, and she said, this is the craziest thing. You're going to think I'm a nut, but I've got to share this with you. She said, I had a dream about you last night. And she said, the Lord wouldn't let me go back to sleep until I promised him that I would call and tell you. And she said, I'm just so, she said probably 50 times, I'm just so worried you're going to think I'm a nut job. And I was like, okay, I'm, I don't think, I might think you're a nut job, but just be obedient and tell me. And it's going to be fine because I'm a nut job too, so we're going to be fine. And she began to share and she shared over my life and she prophesied over my life. And she just said, I had a dream that you're going to have two children. You're going to have a son first and then you're going to have a daughter and your daughter's going to sing. And she just said the sweetest things. I didn't think I'd ever have kids. A month later, no, maybe not a month later, but within two months, I'm pregnant. I have a son, Ben, and then I have a, son, a daughter, Beth, after. But in that moment on the phone, I just, there was something that connected. And here's the thing, just side note about prophecy. You know prophecy is real when it comes true. So you know, <laughs> when people come up, I, I had a, whatever, you know, that can get a little, but, but I knew in that moment, there was something in me that, that there was a click and I just pondered it in my heart and I just sat on it and just thought, Lord, if that's you, but it was powerful, but it was the most least likely person. She was, it was just precious though. And here's sweet little Jehaziel. I, who knows how old he is? But he's got a word. Why? Because Jehoshaphat said, Come, I need help. We can't, I can't face this alone. Let's pray. Let's seek the Lord together. And then the Spirit of the Lord came on him and gave this sweet boy a word. And here's what happened in verse 15. He said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all of you who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. This is what the Lord says. Don't be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. Don't you love the tenderness of the Lord? The first thing he says to them is don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. The Lord loves you. The Lord sees you. The Lord does not condemn you. The first thing he says don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. This is what the Lord says. For the battle is not yours. Can we just say that together out loud? For the battle is not yours. The battle's not yours. Boy, that alone, just let that relieve some pressure. But the battle is God's. Verse 16, it says, okay, tomorrow, now here comes some direction. Tomorrow, march down against them, and you will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. Verse 17 says, but you're not going to have to fight this battle. So take up your positions, stand firm, and you'll see the deliverance of the Lord that he'll give you. Judah and Jerusalem, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. How many times does he have to say that? A whole lot. Why? Because we are feeble. He knows that we need encouragement. And it's okay. Don't be discouraged. Don't be afraid. You're going to see the deliverance. You're not going to have to fight it. But here's what I love about what he says. Go out and face them tomorrow. And the Lord will be with you. 
go out and face them tomorrow. Here's what God says. Here's where clarity comes. Clarity came when they got in the presence of the Lord. How'd they get in the presence of the Lord? They prayed and they fasted. And they came together as a body of believers. They reminded themselves of the goodness of God, who his character was. They positioned themselves to hear from God. They didn't just frantically start grabbing the reins. So they positioned themselves. They prayed, they fasted, they gathered in community. And then the Spirit of the Lord spoke. And he spoke through a least likely soul, Jehaziel. And here's what he said, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. This battle isn't yours, it's mine, declares the Lord. But you have to face it. You have to face it. You have to face it. Really? No, please, God, can I not? Can we just? Here's, what, here's the thing. When I seek the Lord and I'm looking for clarity, I have predetermined thoughts in my head. I have what clarity should look like, and here's what it's going to sound like. Right? When my daughter Beth was when we discovered she had this heart malfunction and she might need surgery, here's what clarity looked like. We're going to gather the troops, and we did. Did we pray? Did we fast? You better believe we did. We did all of that. But here's what clarity and direction was going to look like in my mind. It's going to look like this. I'm going to touch her. She's going to be healed. It's all going to be good. I did not expect God to say, she's going to have the surgery. She will be on bypass. You are going to sit in that waiting room for five hours. There are going to be two more holes that you didn't even know about in her heart. We are going to have to reroute some veins. I didn't expect that. He didn't tell me all that at first, but he did say she is having surgery. They didn't expect that either, I'm sure. I'm sure they just wanted the Lord to say, okay, thank you for coming to me. Thank you for seeking me. My presence is among you. You experience me, don't you? You feel me? Now here's some direction for you. I'm going to zap them. You, you, listen, you just rest right here. You don't even have to move. You can just duck your head in the sand if you want. You, you, here's the thing. Crawl right back into bed. Crawl right back into bed. You just cover your head over with those covers. I'm going to take care of it. Mm-mm, the Lord didn't say that. The Lord said, you have to face it. You have to face it. You have to face it. It's so hard, isn't it? So hard sometimes. What is it in your life right now that's causing anxiety? What is it that feels out of control? What is it that you don't want to face? What is that? Here's what the Lord is saying to you today. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. This battle isn't yours. It's mine. But you know what? You're going to look it full in the face. You're going to look it full in the face. Why? Because if you're ducked down, you're not going to get to see me deliver you. You're not going to get to see me do what only I can do. You're not going to get to see miraculous work. So look up. Look up. Look up. I'm going to deliver you. But you're going to be walking with me through it. And your eyes are going to be wide open. And you're going to see it. And that's what he said to them. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, though. Take up your positions. Schedule the appointment. Go see the counselor. Go see the doctor. Whatever it is, go on the retreat. 
Whatever it is he's asking you to do, whatever it is, whatever it looks like to face it, have the hard conversation. Make the change. Let go of it. Take the risk. Whatever it is, whatever facing it looks like for you, when God gives you that direction, trust him. Trust him. I often think, oh my God, what have I done? I stepped that way. Oh my goodness, what is that going to look like? I already know I'm going to drown. I already know it's going to take me under, so why do I have to step out? Why don't you just deliver me from it? Don't you know if you're familiar with the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they're standing on the edge of the furnace? And they're like, can, can, God, ah, can't we just jump over this fiery furnace? And the Lord sends them right into it. But it was in the furnace that all of a sudden there's a fourth person in the fire. An angel of the Lord, they believe, is Jesus incarnate in the fire with them. They'd have missed that. They would have missed it. And so when we're in crisis and we come to the Lord, we got to go all the way there. That means I've got to be all the way open to say, Lord, whatever it is you're asking me to do, I will do it. Thy will be done, not my own. And how can I say that? Because the spirit of the living God reminds me that he loves me, that he sees me, that he's for me that I don't have to be afraid, I don't have to get discouraged. He's got me. He's got me. He's got me. And regardless of the end of the physical journey, the, the end is secure. I will be with him in eternity forever. So whatever this journey looks like on this planet, in this earthly suit here, Lord, I can trust you. I can trust you all the way to the end. Even if it doesn't look like anything I would have scripted myself, I'm going to go there with you, Lord, because you're with me and you love me and it's your battle and I can trust you. And I can trust you. When is the last time you sought the Lord like Jehoshaphat did? When is the last time you got into his presence? Maybe this morning. When is the last time you did and you heard him speak to you? And you heard him speak to you. And you kind of, for me, it's, I call it, it's kind of like an aha moment where a light bulb goes off and all of a sudden you're like, oh, there you are. Ah, oh, oh. it makes sense. Even if it's not the answer that's making sense, it's just, I'm connected to you, Lord. You're connected to me. I see you. I understand. Okay, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. I'm not alone. I have a... Um, a, a dear friend of mine and I were having lunch and we were talking this week and long story short he called me he's a superintendent I'm on the school board at at Friendswood and we were talking and talking about school board stuff and then we started talking about our faith and anyway he called me and he shared this devotional with me and he talked about Peter walking on the water anyway it doesn't it's a long story but when he called me he spoke a word over me. He just said this, I just believe God has this for you. And when he shared it with me, it just clicked in my spirit. And I was like, that's right. Yes, that's right. And I experienced the, the living God over the phone with another fellow believer, a brother in Christ. On the way up here this morning, I was listening to a song uh, called Not Afraid, and it says, behind me, before me, always beside me. You're with me. And in the car, I experienced the living presence of God. He 
sees me. I don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. When is the last time you experienced or had an encounter with the living God? Jehoshaphat and his people have just encountered the living God when Jehaziel speaks to him and says, okay, here's what God is saying to you. Go out and face them tomorrow, and I will be with you. Jesus says that to you and me. Go and make disciples of all nations, and I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will be with you. He is not with me because I've earned that right. He is not with me because I'm a good girl. He is not with me because I've behaved properly. He is with me because of the blood that it cost him to cover me and cover my sin. And because of that, I can come boldly to the throne. And I know from this point forward, he is always with me. I'm his daughter and he loves me no matter what. You are his daughter and he loves you no matter what. But we forget and we get discouraged and we get afraid. And God is saying, don't be be afraid. Don't be discouraged. I am with you. I am with you. When is the last time you heard God say that to you? I pray that he's saying it to you now and that you're believing the truth today. Jehoshaphat's response in verse 18, it says, Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Kohathites or the Korahites stood up and they praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. I read a commentator's quote about that passage and he said, you could have heard the sound even of the wind among the trees at that time. For they were as hushed and as quiet as you are just now. Oh, when you know the Lord means to deliver you, bow your head and just give him the quiet Deep, solemn worship of your spirit. When you encounter the living God, that's all the clarity that you need. It's all the clarity that you need. He's with you and he loves you and he's not forsaken you. And our response is worship him. What does that mean? Just believe him. Just believe him. Believe him. Stop asking him to jump through hoops. (laughs) I'll believe you if you'll do this. Will you just show me this sign? Well, if you'll just do this. Well, if you'll do that. He's just saying, just would you just trust me? Just believe me. Just believe me. So what I want to do now is we're going to pray. And then you've got some time on your own for a little bit this morning. And you can gather with some friends in this room. You can get by yourself in this room. But you're just going to have a little bit of time together. And you've got some questions that I wrote out for you kind of about this. And I just want you to take some time and just allow the Lord to speak to you. And he can speak to you on your own or he can speak to you with other sisters in Christ this morning. But as he does that, just just be open to receive from him This morning, I'm going to pray for us and then we'll go into these questions. And then at uh, Julie, at 1045, at 1045, you're back in here. Is that right, Julie? Yeah. Okay. 1045 back in here. So you've got about 20 minutes just to be uh, in the presence of the Lord. Let me pray for us. 
Lord, it is your presence that brings clarity. And that clarity is such a sweet reminder of who you are and who we are, that you love us, that you see us, and that you'll deliver us. You will deliver us. And I pray that we would be trusting, courageous women that will allow you to define what deliverance means, Lord. Lord, you are good. You are worthy of our trust. So come now, Jesus, in a powerful way and speak to us as we seek you. In Jesus' name, amen.